So do you think she had any control over that? Like, was she just nuts and really couldn't control that? Or was she intentionally being uh, uh, contentious and, and, and she should have known better? No, I, I, I think she had no control over it. She just was inexperienced yeah. and she was a bully. Yeah. And, you know, and she just, you know, I, I, from what I understand, I mean, I worked every year. There was always different writers and different producers. She would fire everybody every year. You know, people knew, and she had some of the top, you know, top directors and 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 writers went on to very successful careers. And you know, so yeah, you could see with the material. The material was always wonderful, mm-hmm. but and- she just made the the set was just not pleasant. And your experience of working on uh, the Golden Girls was quite the opposite. Opposite. It was just a joy. It was an absolute joy to work on that show. They, they all got along and they all loved each other. You know, towards the end, it was you know it was it wasn't as easy because they were getting older. But um, they just you know they just got you know it was just a beautiful set and they had wonderful craft service. Roseanne wouldn't even. Roseanne was so evil, she would go, I don't want those background people eating craft service. We couldn't eat anything. Uh, Why, in general, has Hollywood gotten so stingy? I mean, there are a lot of sets now that don't, uh, they probably have it hidden somewhere, you know. Yeah, you're right. They don't have it as much. It used to not be that way. But some of the shows I work on are just the opposite. You know, there's so much craft service. And so, you know, there's food everywhere. And then there's other shows where, you know, you can't find a morsel. Yeah. Huh. And you contemplated being a stage manager at one time? Yeah. You know, I, I you know, I looked at it and I thought, you know, I could be a stage manager. Uh, I just thought it might be a nice, you know, way to keep the stay in show business. And Eddie Pitcher. Or, you know, there's more jobs behind the camera than in front of the camera. Yeah. You know, I, I remembered it was... um uh, I you know. I remember exactly what was happening. Uh, I I had hurt my knee, and I wasn't able really to dance anymore. And Evita was out here, um, playing. I think it was at the Schubert, and I knew a lot of people in the company. And the um, they needed to hire a second assistant stage manager. And the funny thing is, the man who was the main stage manager, who will remain nameless who was married to someone you and I both know very well. Mm-hmm. And they were married and she, they, everyone kept saying, you need to hire Larry because, you know, he, and he would be a great buffer because he being a dancer, he'd be able to understand our terminology and be a good buffer between production and, 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 you know, and the performers and he wouldn't hire me. And it was the best decision ever that I never got hired. Huh. I I had a similar kind of situation. I was at a convention and uh, they were trying to up the minorities for the uh, uh, AD, assistant director. And I was still young enough to think that I could uh, uh, make a living as an actor. And I turned it down. But sometimes I wonder, because that's a nice paycheck. You're working your butt off <laughs> and it's long hours, but you're making like really good money. Yeah. But uh, as fate should have it, I, I declined. And uh, yeah, yeah, you're the same as me. You know, we we still had that 
that desire to sort of be in front of the camera. Yeah. Huh. Don't blink or you might miss me. So what was the impetus in putting that all together? Well, I'd always, you know, like I said, with all my friends, I was always telling my show business stories. You know, I, I always had so many stories and I, it was just, you know, always telling them. And I have a really good friend. He's a performer, uh, sort of like Dame, Dame Edna, who we just lost. Uh, his name is Miss Richfield, 1981. He's fabulous. He's one of the most hilarious, talented people in the whole friggin' world. I just adore him. And um, we would just sit and schmooze, and and occasionally I would, he would, you know, be you know writing something, and he would, I would read it. Oh, it's so funny. My friend Art from who. Um, I talked about with the Olympics, just cold. So I haven't spoken to him in ages. So um, he, you know, every so often, you know, he would, I would throw him, like I, I come up with something funny for him, you know, and he'd love it and everything. And he said, you know, you're so funny. Why don't you just, you know, and your stories are so great. Why don't you write your own show? So he pushed me into writing my own show. Hmm. And that show allowed you to travel the world? Well, you know, it, 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 um, a, a, a wonderful man named Howard Blank. He um, he happened. I I was doing it here at the Olympic Arts Festival, you know, one of the smaller theaters in town, uh, you know, one of the waiver theaters, and he happened to be invited to go see it with a friend. And he loved it, and he said, "Oh my God, we have a a, a couple of things up." And he he it was at the River Rock Casino, uh, and had a theater. And he brought my show in there. He produced me up there. And and then, it, you know, uh, another a girlfriend of mine was producing um, some uh, a show down in Palm Springs she was doing. She produced me down there. So just friends and people, acquaintances and stuff kept saying, oh, my God, this would be great. And then uh, a really a friend of a friend who I, I I didn't even know said, I know this guy that's producing shows in New York. And your show would be great. And he recommended me to this guy brandon voss who um he produces all the rupaul dragons and stuff he's this really talented man and he produced me in new york hadn't even seen the show he just on this guy's word and he produced my show in new york and he was great did you get to hang out in any of the places that you took your show or was it pretty much just work it was work you know um I did see some other people's performances at, you know, uh, I, um, when I did it here, was it, no, I did it on a couple of cruise ships. I was doing it in repertoire with Del Shores, you know, uh, Sorted Lives and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, so Del and I, he would, his show would be one night, I would do one night. So I got to hang out with him and, 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 um, you know, God, he's, you know, one of the most talented men in the world too. Mm -hmm. So. Well, I, I believe you do like to travel, whether it's for you know work or not. But what are some of the more interesting places that you've been to, and and why did you find them interesting? Well, my I guess Barcelona, of course, is one of the most fabulous cities in the world. As is Madrid. I friggin' love Madrid. It's got it's the energy in Spain. I've been you know I've been to Italy, um, and I like I like Rome and. Um, you know, I like Italy. Florence is incredible. You know, all you the... What? 
you get to see David? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Florence is just one magnificent thing after another. Dude, did but, you go to the flea market while you were there? Yes. You have a big flea market. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's just Florence is amazing, you know, but you know, the uh, Rome is okay. I've been to Rome a number of times and I've been to Sicily and, and, you know, and they're all interesting, but there's something about Spain that I, I just, like I not said, just, not just the Spanish boys then, right? No. Although the Spanish men are incredible. The, the policemen in, in Madrid, they, I don't know what they do. They, they, they make Antonio Banderas look like he's ugly. They're so good looking. Uh, and um, so I love Madrid and the other city that I, I absolutely love that I had been to a couple of times is Istanbul. Mm-hmm. Istanbul is so beautiful and so different. Mm. You, um, go ahead. No, that's just one of my favorite cities in the world. Well, I know you've lost a lot of, of close friends through the years. Uh, how has that impacted your outlook on life? Well, you know, um, I, I don't think I'm afraid of dying. You know, uh, it was so funny. I, when my friend, Miss Ritual was in town, his name is Russ. He he was in town doing a show and we went to uh, Hollywood Forever Cemetery, you know, walking around and you know, to go see Judy Garland's uh, Judy Garland's mausoleum is in, in Hollywood Forever. And, I, you know, I don't fear death. You know, it's just a natural progression. Uh I, I feel like I've lived an incredible life. If I don't want to go tomorrow, but if I was to go tomorrow, I, I don't think I'd have any regrets. Yeah, you've so, lived a full life, but I know a lot of the people you, I mean, I know the AIDS epidemic was a big thing and you you guys were all young, young then. So you lost yeah. young friends. I lost, I lost over hundreds of friends. I mean, you know, I lost all my New York based friends, all my original friends in New York and all the, and I, I'm probably one of the only guys that that did a chorus line back in, you know, the original, you know, it, it chorus line opened in late 76 and I was in it. I think it was late 75. And then, you know, uh, it moved in 76 to New York, you know, into Broadway. And I got in the tour by 77. So I was in it, you know, very early on and all the... there's maybe a couple of the original boys that are still around. They're they're all gone and everyone died of AIDS. Mm. Uh, What is it about Liza Minnelli, Judy Garland, Lady Gaga, Betty, Bette Midler, et cetera. How are they able to develop such a, a large and, and uh, devoted following within the gay community? What is it about? Because gay people always, you know, always discover people first. I mean, Barbara Streisand, you know, mm-hmm. when she started out, you know, in a gay nightclub in the Bonsoir in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, her 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 uh, original, I think, act was put together by a wonderful man named Barry Denon, who has since passed on, who was a good friend of mine. I had choreographed a show he was in. And what an incredibly talented man. He was the original Pontius pilot and Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of things. I know he helped shape her early career and um, they just, they can see talent or raw talent or, you know, uh, emerging talent and just refine it and define, refine it and define it, you know, and give it, give it legs. That certainly is a gift because it seems like most people need to be told what, what's good and what to like. 
uh, instead of, you know, coming to their own con conclusion. So thank goodness there are good eyes out there that can pick I, up. I was, I was lucky to see Bet, you know, as she, as she started out, I got to see her in a couple of places. I, funny story. So she, I had seen her at NYU, you know, doing her act and she was appearing at uh, in the summers in New York, Woman's skating rink became a concert venue. And it was a, the tickets were a dollar in the back and two dollars up front. Hmm. And, and, and I told t- 10 of my friends, I said, we have to get these two dollar seats to see, you know, this woman. And 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 my friends were like, you know, with their hands crossed, this girl better be good. You know, I I, I can't believe it. we're spending two dollars to see this unknown. And she had just brought the harlots on with her. Huh. And people walked out of there like amazed beyond recognition that, you know, this up and coming star that people got to see her. And I got to work with her on the Oscars a couple of years ago when she sang the in memoriam from wind beneath the wings. And she looked at me and I could tell she, and she sort of had that look like, I know you. And I said, we have a mutual friend, Kenny Sasha. And I bet, and she just lit up and, and she, here's a perfect example. And she's, you know, she's singing Women Evil Links. And she said, Larry, I'm so nervous. Will you hold my hand? And I spent, you know, half hour, 40 minutes backstage with her before she went on holding her hand. What what a moment that was for me that she was just that gracious to let me hold her hand. Yeah. And and it's just a, an amazing thing all the way around uh, for you and her. Yeah. Uh, what was it like working with Michael Bennett? You know what? You know, the funny thing is, um, I was the last person that Michael Bennett put in the show. Uh, he Right after he, I was put in the show, he left. It became a, a different regime. And um, he, um, I was opening Philadelphia. I was learning the show in Washington. DC, I was when I got the show, I, I was flown. Uh, yeah, I, fl- I guess I flew into Washington from New York and I learned the show at the Kennedy Center upstairs in the rehearsal hall. So ba- so back then, um, I learned the show in Washington. And I was opening Philadelphia. I was going on for the first time in Philadelphia. And um Philadelphia back in the days, you know, uh Philadelphia and Boston were like, you know, when they would try shows out, they would go out of town. And, you know, so Philadelphia and Boston was still very important because they, you know, they were so close to New York and he wanted to make sure that the reviews were really good in those two cities. So he came in to clean up the show. I wasn't on the line yet. And um, they were going to put me on, but they were afraid he was coming to the show. It was going to be my first night doing it. And, you know, your first night, everybody's been doing it for a year and you're on, you're going to be nervous. And, you know, and I do remember my first night, um, you know, I in chorus line is very specific. You know, when you're doing this number or this, you're on, you know, in the front of the stage, as you know, there's like numbers, zero is center. Then there's one, one, you know, and, you know, and so all my direction was you start on four and a half, 
mid-state, you know, and you go to five and a half. And so, you know, and you can miss, and especially the end of the show when, uh, when they, when the show ends, everybody goes back into the line and some people upstage it before it and some people downstage and I was downstage. And so you have to walk, you know, like looking straight out and then, and then back up into the line. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's very, that's like probably the hardest thing in the whole show. And um, so, but it was, you know, they were all afraid that I would, you know, and they were totally correct. So they held me back and he watched me in the understudy rehearsal. And then he cleaned the show and he asked that I be with him. And as he directed the show, I had to sit next to him and he was just giving notes to everybody and, you know, and saying things aside to me, you know, he would say something to them and then he'd say something to me. And then he gave his approval for me to go on. So I was very lucky. That was the only experience I ever had with him. Yeah. Huh. Uh, a lot of actors don't really have a, it might be changing now. Maybe this is more my generation and maybe the decade after me, but how did you get so business savvy? I mean, you could retire if you want to, you've made most of your income in the entertainment business. Well, you know, my, I came from a very, you know, lower middle class working family. There was never a lot of money. You know, my, you know, my father worked and at times my mother had to work just to pay the rent. And, uh, but, you know, they were education conscious and, you know, they wanted, you know, I remember one, I went to state university at Stony Brook. I think I told you tuition was like $300 a semester. They couldn't afford it one time. And my father worked, um, as a, you know, he'd live in the New York times and every so often he would put me at an empty newsstand and I would sell the papers and I'd make some money. And, um, so they needed to make the tuition. My mother, my father, and my sister, um, I think there was one other person. They all went out one night and he found them a newsstand and they all worked out to get my tuition. So how could I not, you know, you know, be there, you know, have the most amazing family that, you know, would do something like that for me, you know, but we had no money, you know, there was never any money. So, um, I just constantly saved that the whole time we did a chorus line. When I toured with them, we'd get two checks. One was our paycheck and it was about $450 and we'd get a per diem, which was about $450 and I would live off the per diem. So the other $450 would go into his, you know, I sent back to New York to be saved. So, you know, when I left the show, I I had like $45,000 saved. But don't you have to do, because saving generally doesn't keep up with the cost of inflation. Did you, didn't you have to do some kind of investing as well? I mean, I did, you know, the funny thing is the the, uh, um, course line was produced by the Shakespeare Festival, Mm -hmm. which was Joe Papp's company down in Low Manhattan. And they had an investment thing. You could, uh, they invested money for you. So I was able to put money. They saved money. They took money out of my paycheck every week and, put it in this investment account. And I just learned. And then I, I met a couple of uh, people that were investment uh, counselors on the way up. Uh, and I, I did very well with, with investing, you know, people, uh, you know, they would ask you, do you want moderate, 
you know, investments or, you know, high risk or whatever. And I always did, you know, sort of safe, easy things. And, and next thing I knew, I had saved all this money. Mm-hmm. Um, at one time, that was kind of guaranteed where your employer would put put something aside for you for retirement. Yeah. I, I at, at, at this point in my life, it's funny that I have now my first job where they they actually do that. So I wish I wish I would have had pursued such a thing 30 years ago. <laughs> but uh you know it's just kind of interesting but most jobs now don't you're kind of out on your own. I mean yeah. A lot of people in like uh our father's generation <laughs> that uh uh didn't really have to think about it. Their their employer automatically put money aside for their investment. Uh, what was the first TV special that you booked, and and how did that come to to fruition? Um, the first TV special was the fifth annual People's Choice Awards, and uh, I, like I said, I had gone to a party and met Tony Sharmerly, and he was choreographing it, and he had said one of his dancers singers had backed out, and he just hired me on the spot. <clears throat> it was dancing behind Dick Van Dyke. It was it was hard because uh, there was some seasoned pros in there. And uh, I mean, people that had really worked, you know, on Carol Burnett show and all these different shows. And, you know, and I was new and green and, and it was tapping, which was my least, you know, I was a good jazz dancer and I was then ballet and then tap was my least. And, you know, and it was a heavy duty tap number, but they surrounded me, these wonderful people. And, you know, they made sure that if they were going left, I was going left with them if they were going right, you know, <laughs> so they, they, they held on to me and got me through it. That was nice. And, and I believe I, I read that uh, Mr. Van Dyke didn't show up for any of the rehearsals. And when you he, guys were going left, he was going, yeah, right. he, he, it's so funny. It worked, but it worked. Yeah. He came in and he didn't do one step that we had learned, but he did his own thing. And, he looked sensational. He was he was so terrific. He could just do whatever he wanted. And and he looked better than all of us. And I guess he knew it would work too. I got a chance to work with him once too. And uh he just is another one of those people that exude an energy like like a Carol Burnett. I know that that's another person that you have very fond uh uh memories of, but uh yes. you know, it's really nice when people that are that talented and successful are also just genuinely nice people. Um yeah, totally how, how'd you like uh uh working with uh, Barry Manilow? That he's the one that actually inspired me to uh learn to play the piano. <laughs> he was what a, also what a talk about what a wonderful, nice, kind guy. I mean, just he was charming. I just loved him. Very insecure. Mm. You know, we would have to leave when he was learning the steps. He would be in there with the choreographer by himself. And then we'd come in and, you know, and be added in and stuff. And he was willing to try anything and do anything. He knew the you know, the value of rehearsal. So he worked at it. I, you know, I, I, he was always a great musician, but he, I think, and he wanted to perform. And I don't think at the beginning he was like the most confident performer, but just once he was rehearsed and, and, and on camera, he was terrific. Mm-hmm. Great man. And I, and funny, I, I met him, um, hadn't seen him in years. I was in Palm Springs at a party at, you know, one of those fabulous Palm Springs parties. And he was there and, 
you know, and someone introduced us and, you know, said, this is Larry. Hi, Larry. But I said, actually, I we've met before. I said, I danced on your third TV special. And he goes, oh, my God. You know, and he remembered all the little quirks about it. And he couldn't have been sweeter. Well, that's nice to hear. He, him, Stevie Wonder, and Elton John and Billy Joel were my inspirations for learning how to play the piano. Uh, yeah. You could retire. What keeps you going? What keeps you working? Well, just get out of the house. You know, I, I only work. You know, I don't. I, I'm not actively pursuing. Like a bunch of friends are all doing American Idol. They're doing it today, even. Mm. And um, nobody called me, but a, a couple of. I heard they had a couple of spots and I know a couple of people called and said, can you use me? And nobody sort of dropped my name. And so I didn't get called. So I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? So uh, just, uh, you know, if, if GH calls or, you know, I did uh, young, the restless last week and bold and beautiful day before, and I hadn't done them in a while. And, um, they, you know, and I love work. I, I love working the soap operas, as you know, there's such, you know, everyone that works on the shows on every soap opera, they're like family, you know? Yeah. If if you're doing background work, I think that is definitely uh, at the, at the cream of the crop too. Uh, you know, just, it seems like you're generally treated better than when you're on those big casting, what do you central casting <laughs> calls, you know, with all these people and stuff. Yeah. Um, um, the, the entertainment, well, let me ask you this. At the time when it did matter, how did you go about hustling up work for yourself? I mean, now you kind of more or less wait for the phone to ring, but back, you know, in the days when, when, well, I, like I remember, like how I first got on the Golden Girls. I mean, you know, back then it was easy. I was working Days of Our Lives. They were at Sunset Gower. General Hospital was also at Sunset Gower. I don't know if you remember, Sunset Gower was was divided into two studios. The north of it was like NBC, and the south was like ABC. They were like, and you, funny thing, you couldn't cross them. So I was working Days of Our Lives. It was on, you know, the north side of the street uh, off of Sunset. And on the stage right behind them was the Golden Girls. So I was working Days and I, I just had my picture and resume and I walked over and the stage manager just happened. It was a woman. I don't remember her name. She just happened to be at the, um, at her, you know, her little podium. I said, hi. I said, you know, I told her who I was. I said, I'm working next door at Days. I said, if you never need any background or whatever, you know, I'm da-da-da-da-da. And, you know, left her my picture and resume. And gosh, if they didn't call later that day to work that week. Hmm. The, and the guy, the guy who would cast it was usually the, was a, another one of the stage managers. And he told me once that, the you know, the... Uh, you know, a lot of times people come on the set and they fan the, you know, fangirl them and, and, you know, they made them very uncomfortable. They like having people around that, you know, and they just happened to uh, like me and, and everything. And then I ended up, I, I, you know, I ended up dancing on B. Arthur did a variety special and I ended up dancing. So I became fairly close with B. She just was so gracious and always liked me. And she would ask for me to be there. And Estelle, I knew, Estelle always, Estelle had, had a, she lived in, basically in um, New York and in Florida with her husband. And when she lived out here, she, she lived with a roommate, a gay roommate on Hollywood Boulevard. And Estelle became, I used to see her at all the openings, and she became a friend. So 
you know, um, eventually I, sometimes I would go out with Estelle and, and her friends. Mm-hmm. You know? So it was so- a great thing. And then I, then eventually I did, Betty White did uh, two uh, TV specials that her 90th birthday party special and her 91st. And I, and I stood in on both of those and was on the show. Well, Golden Girls uh, was some, also some long days too, from, from what I'm. In the beginning, it, it Actually, at the beginning, it wasn't. It was very short days. We'd go in maybe around 12.30 and do a dry block. And then 2.30, they would do a – maybe 10.30. And 12.30, they'd do a, a, a camera block. 2.30, they'd do a dress rehearsal. And they'd start taping at 5.30. We'd be done at 9.30. But then by the end – Because they were it, getting older. They were getting older, and they could and they couldn't remember all the lines. And, and they kept – you know, and – Famous things on, you know, on sitcoms, you know, you could do one version of the show at dress rehearsal but, and and then all the writers are rewriting the damn show. By the time you got to um, to tape the show, it was a whole different show. Yeah. So I guess cue cards was not because I remember working General Hospital and they had cue cards up for. Uh... They had that they had that teleprompter. They didn't have cue cards. Remember, it was like a teleprompter that they would hold. Right, yeah. 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 Uh, the entertainment business filled with so many highs and lows back in the day when you cared because you know you're at a different point now but how did you deal with those lows you know when you're you know just trying to scrape up some some work did you ever do other things to supplement your income uh, you you i'm guessing that you just have such a positive a- a- attitude that none of that got to you at, at all no no I, I i was always working i mean you know i did teach dance class for a while um, I was teaching, um, I, I had, a, a I worked on a couple of, um, co-choreographed and choreographed a couple of sort of equity waiver shows. And the, the, most of them were singers who could dance a little bit or whatever actors who could dance a little. And then when I was said, you know, I always have so much trouble picking up choreography, but you are so you know, good at, at, at teaching choreography. Did you ever think of teaching? And I said, well, sure, why not? You know, and I don't remember what I charged. And, you know, at times I'd, sometimes I'd have 20, 30 people in class, hmm. you know, and it paid for the bills, you know. So I did teach dance class over. It's so funny that the studio is still there. It's right next to Capitol Records. It's on Yucca and uh, off of Vine. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was an old, old, old dance studio. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I rented out and we I teach dance class. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Cool. Well, that's good that at least you were fine. You were able to find something else within the, your interests to. to yeah, I stayed in the business. I never waited. In uh-huh. fact, a couple of times on a couple of soaps, they'd asked me to be like a waiter. Uh-huh. And if they, if they gave me a tray of drinks, I could never I never learned that art of balancing. It's and more they, difficult than yeah. you thought. So. What? It's more. It's a little more challenging than you thought. Oh, it was. I I never wanted to learn it, and I never did learn it. So I wasn't very good at it because things came so easy to me at an early age. I remember the days where I really wanted to be a waiter and couldn't get a waiting job because <laughs> kind of the catch twenty two, no experience. And then when I finally got one. I could never get out of it. <laughs> like I stayed doing it way longer than, than uh, I wanted to. So, you know, I guess a, a, a 
be careful of what you wish for. Yeah, no, I, I never had to do that. You know, I just always had, you know, and I, like I said, I was always good at saving money. Yeah. Uh, you have a book coming out or has it already come out? No, no, no book. I uh, Nothing. I've been asked to write a book. Were you com- contemplating? I thought I had read somewhere about a book coming out. So I don't know if maybe you were just. No, thinking. just people have asked me, you know, to take my, you know, all my experiences and put it in a book. And um, it, 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 it didn't interest me. Like I said, I was always a good writer, but it never interested me. So, so. your book is your play, basically. Yeah, exactly. I would love to do that again. What's uh, one of the greatest lessons that you've learned from working in the entertainment business? Oh, uh, just, you know, unfortunately, you know, a lot of times it's all who, you know, you know, you know, you, like I said, I, I, I you know, I didn't work the, I didn't work American Idol this year. I didn't do the SAG awards, which I did every year. And it was all because people were requested by the director or one of the, Producer's cousins wanted to do the show. So I, I noticed that I've been not pushed out of, but sort of not hired on a couple of jobs because, uh, you know, I wasn't uh, related to somebody at that point. Yeah. Or even sometimes the person that hired you the last 10 years loses that job and someone else. Exactly. You know, and I, I, I try not to, um, you know, ask for favors. You know, our girlfriend, Joanne, you know, mm-hmm. he, he, you know, we, we went to uh, a wedding last night of a, a mutual friend of ours and and she was working American Idol today. And, you know, she said, you know, God, I wish you were working with me and everything. And, and, and I, you know, I just did, you know, I she could probably I mean, she does drop my name a lot, you know, but she probably could have gotten me on the job. But I wasn't going to put her in that position. It wasn't that important to me. And it's 12 hour days, but she goes. She goes, you would not enjoy working 12-hour days with no craft service. Oh, wow. Yeah. That, that's walk, walk away lunch. Nothing right. worse than walk away lunch. Huh. Now, I think I read something where Joanne had said that it's a little bittersweet, you know, working on uh, as a stand-in for these shows, holding that Emmy, Oscar, Grammy or whatever in your hand. And there's still a part of her that kind of wants to actually be the one receiving it. Do you ever have those kind of things? Get- I never had that. I never had the thing. I, it's funny because I've held an Oscar, an Emmy, a Grammy, a Tony, um, People's Choice Awards, Ace Awards. No, no. I was always, that was the one thing that I, I'm always happy. Mm-hmm. You know, just, <laughs> just being a part of the production. What qualities do you feel are necessary for, for, for a person to have a a successful career in the entertainment business? You have to really want it. You know, you got to get the breaks, of course, but you got to have that drive. It's funny. There's a, a couple of women that I've worked with that have become very, very successful. And I'll name drop. One of them is B.B. Newworth mm-hmm. you know, from Frasier and, and all the shows and, she she came in as a little baby when I did a, a chorus line and we became fast friends and she wanted it, you know, and, and, and talent, you know, she has so much talent, you know, she's got more talent and, you know, in her thumb than anybody. So, I mean, you have to have the talent, 
but you have to want it too. The, the talent certainly helps and 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 helps to sustain a career. But yeah, you do really have to want it. Uh, I, I remember uh, there, a gal that I went to school with. I I remember seeing her after school taking. We went to a dance class actually. Randy Alaire. I don't know if you know Randy Alaire. He was teaching no. street dance. But anyway, uh, this was a, a girl cutting cutting to the the chase. But she really wanted it. I mean, she was up. You you have to like be obsessed with it. And uh, you know, I've definitely been at points in my life where things could have gone left when they went right or vice versa. Uh, but I don't think I had that kind of burning fire that this woman had. I mean, she was obsessed with with yeah. with making it as as an actress, and she made it as an actress. So God bless. But yeah, you do have to pretty much be obsessed with it, unless you're really lucky. I mean, I wasn't obsessed as a five year old landing a part on a a a uh, a groundbreaking television show. It was just luck for whatever reasons it was meant for me to be there that you know i didn't even want to do it at first in fact but you were you were fucking adorable and you still are you know so that helps <laughs> you know my what's your definition of success happiness just being happy success is being happy you know happy with yourself yeah. comfortable in your own skin what do you feel that your greatest strength is I think that my, I don't want to say empathy, but, you know, that that I care about people. You know, I, I, I do care about others. It's never been, I've never been that self-absorbed, that... Um, empathy, your greatest strength. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I like to make sure that everybody is, you know, is... I think doing... people can feel that, too. And and that, I think that's what, what why they're attracted to you, because they feel that you're an empathetic human being. Yeah, what do you feel? I, like? you know, I work with theater. I work with theater in town, and I get I get free tickets all the time. And I just love sharing, you know, getting the experience of sharing. You know, theater tickets are expensive. Yeah, to be able to share that with friends and stuff. It's too bad that uh, you know why why have things gotten so ridiculous? I mean, your family was a very average income family, and we're able to take you to the theater. Uh, once a week or once a month. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. That was it. Was a couple times a month. It you was do that now. An, an average family. Why are things so ridiculously inflated? Why have hamburgers gone from fifteen cents to to twenty dollars? <laughs> it's just the you know what what's gone on in the world. You know we're just not in the best of places right now. I mean, you know, I thank God every day that, you know, I don't really have to work anymore. Yeah, thank God. I mean, for the kids growing up, geez, I just. No, it's it's scary out there. I'm scared for people. I just I just had a friend who was possibly getting evicted, you know, and I I sort of helped. I I wrote a letter to his management company and and, you know, and tried to help him get past this thing. And I did. So I'm happy about that. Yeah, well, God bless you. Uh, and 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 what ways have you seen the entertainment industry change over the years, over these many years that you've been in it? Well, it's it's definitely harder, I think, to break in now, and it's you know it's and you know I mean I guess there's a lot more work because of all the cable channels and stuff like that. There are shows, you know, I don't know, I don't know if if they pay as well or the health insurance is there. I was watching, you know, Mrs. Maisel, which is on. Amazon Prime, you know, it's just 
What a great show that is. I just love that show. But, you know, so there's, you know, it's just there's more work out there, but I don't know if it's paying or it's, you know, it's union or non-union or whatever they are. Well, what really pisses me off is that people that can pay you still don't want to pay you. Well, I've had that, you know, my, you know, you're talking about the worst job and it just came to me. I, I worked it once, would never do it again. Soul Train Music Awards with Don Cornelius. Hmm. He was famous for not paying. Yeah. We had to have the. It took probably a year to get paid. The 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 maybe the two hundred fifty dollars I made on that damn show because he wouldn't pay. They had to chase him down. Don Cornelius Soul hmm. Train Music Awards. Hmm. Yeah, that's too bad. If you were to completely restart your career from day one, is there anything that you would have that you would do differently? Interesting. Um, I probably would have taken more acting lessons up front or, um, you know, um, I, I don't think so. You know, I, like I said, I, I, I've enjoyed every, almost every, I could say 90% of everything I did was, was fun and I enjoyed it. And, you know, um, I, you know. Yeah, I, I think I'd be fine. Yep. You do, know? do you have any, for someone, let's say, brand new, starting out, wanting to get, work their way up, or however way to get to, for them to get to where you are, where, you know, you've been able to build a retirement for yourself, you've got your health and dental covered, what what advice could you give to someone starting out that, that wants Just- to? If just to, you know, the, you know, really get, learn your craft, you Mm -hmm. know, really learn how to do it. As you and I know, you know, um, I've been upgraded a number of times and, um, you know, the, the key, you know, on the soaps is to hit your mark, know which, where the red light is on the camera, you know, which camera is working. It's paying attention to all those little details, Mm -hmm. you know, really, Pay attention, even if, you know, um, you're on a set and you're just doing background, really study, you know, study, you know, you're, you're getting a full class there working that job and, you know, and really pay attention. I mean, that's how I've always been able to get upgraded and stuff, you know, because um, I was there and I was paying attention and I know how to, you know, I know how to hit a mark. I think that's the. <laughs> the yeah. most important thing. I would agree with that. Don't be off in the corner talking with another extra. Be paying attention to what's going on the set. Exactly. Last question. Living or dead, who would be the most exciting person for you to meet, real or fictational? Either either real or fictional. God, I wish you had given me these questions beforehand. Um, who would I? Because it is a couple of people. Um, um, you know, I, I've seen her, I, you know, Streisand is probably the, I I did get to see Judy Garland in person. Uh, I got to see her perform twice and I I stood in line at her, uh, you know, when she was put on, uh, when she died, I waited three hours online to go past her, her, her coffin so Judy Garland, Barbara Streisand, of course, you know, is you know, you're I want to say your typical gay stereotypes. Um, 
you know, Streisand is just, you know, I think probably the, the greatest entertainer we of our generation, you know, um, and that she's, you know, she didn't destroy herself, that she's still here and she still can do it. I mean, you know, she is 80 years old and how many superstars live that long, you know? Yeah. So I guess, it would, you know, I want to say Streisand. Hmm. Well, know? Larry, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I really appreciate it. You are a, a gem and a blessing to all that you come into contact with. Well, thank you, Mark. And, you know, I love that you're my friend and I, I love working with you. You know that. So thank you for asking me. Don't call me Corey Baker. Call me Marco Podge. Because I'm not Julius son, not anymore. Don't call me Corey Baker, call me Marco Podge. Cause I'm not Julia's son like I was before.